What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Drop In. Uh, I thank you guys so much because this show continues to exceed my expectations and it's all because of you it's all because of you guys i get so excited when i get the feedback nonstop all week long different people messaging me private messaging me for some maybe some personal advice or or throwing their uh, comments down on different feeds and it it just lets me know that i'm moving in the right direction that we are moving in the right direction here in the NRM studios in Farmington Hills every guest that comes in brings a different motivating story, inspiring story to get you off your damn couch and make life happen. It isn't a dress rehearsal. We get one shot. You know, you look at that opening. That opening was filmed over the last 15 years, and I bet you I did most of those tricks on Sunday afternoon with my friends. Your life, your choice, and I choose to just be stoked all the time. I still do what I did when I was 14. I just think I do it a little bit better. I might not move quite as quick as I used to, but I think I enjoy it just as much. Just as much. And my guest today, my guest today, totally different than the other 36 guests you have heard from. Totally a a whole nother level for the drop-in. Because this guy made choices in his life to inspire others. To, To, by his story... To get other people fired up about life, and I am honored to have him in the studio with me today. You know, everything that you do has an impact not only on you, but on the people around you. And my man, Jermaine Brenner, is is impacting people's lives all over the uh, southeastern Michigan area right now. Just right now. There's a lot of yets in in, in uh, life. I, I, I use yet a lot because people will say, you know, did you do this? And I said, not yet. <laughs> but there's a lot of yets. There's a lot of yets. And the only limits are the ones you put on yourself. So without any more um, of me running my mouth, I want to introduce you, the awesome uh, drop-in audience, to Mr. Jermaine Branner. Jermaine, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today, man. Well, I'm honored to be here, and that was the best opening that I've <laughs> ever heard. I'm, you know, I'm honored to be here. I don't lie. I'm an honest guy, man. <laughs> I'm an honest guy, and I just try to uh, encapsulate the, you know, the bio that, that the guest sent me. And when you sent me over uh, a little, you know, the, the cliff notes of your story, mm-hmm. blown away. Blown away. I love the you. little emoji. I made one of myself, like with a hat, and it's, it's got the mind go, you know, and that's what I was like reading your bio. So let's get into it, man. Where'd you grow up at? How how was your your upbringing? Because it's an interesting story. Why don't you start from the beginning? Okay, uh, I was born in Pontiac, Michigan, and Pontiac, uh, Michigan is known as a urban community. It's known as a food desert. Um, um, great times, great people. It just you know financially, and when it comes to you know the math and English and you know education. Um, we're struggling. So growing up, I grew up in community housing projects. Uh, 100% of my friends grew up in a single parent household. 100%. 100%. In the community housing, the way that it's set up, it's not really designed for a two-parent household. Really? Yes. That's a problem. See, yep. and you bring up Pontiac, and for me, I grew up downriver. Mm-hmm. Downriver is about 20 minutes south of Detroit. Pontiac's a little like north, I don't know, northwest. I don't, I don't even know, but it's not far from mm-hmm. Detroit. Mm-hmm. And my vision of Pontiac living downriver is the Silverdome. 
you know, early yep. on was the Pontiac yep. Silverdome where the Lions played. And then as I uh, got into going to shows and whatnot, mm-hmm. the Phoenix Center, going to see yep. shows on the top yep. of the Phoenix Center. Yep. And the Warp Tour, the band's Warp Tour, uh, was in Pontiac a few times in yes. 97, 98, and I was winning at that time. So I have great memories yep, of Pontiac, yep. great punk shows and all that stuff. So I didn't view Pontiac as you did growing up there. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, the Silver Dome has been demolished. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, the Phoenix Center is not being utilized right now. And the big three, you know, the plant GM for, you know, at 20 years ago, uh, longer than that, you know, we had people that came to Pontiac that, that made an honest, good living. However, when the big three left, you know, and other um, calamities that happened in Pontiac, you know, the crime rate and the education went down. You well, know? how long ago was it? Didn't Pontiac lose their police force? So there was some big upheaval they with did. the police force. They did, and it's uh, being ran by the uh Oakland County Sheriff Department. Right. So it's a lot of things that happen. You know, and that that's a big in city. Yes. Pontiac isn't just like a little speck on the map. No, I mean, sixty thousand people. Yeah, but the, the downtown areas, it, it could be incredible. It is. It is. It's really, on its way up. It's, it's beautiful. Yes. Yes. And um, in fact, I sit on the Main Street uh, board, where you know we try to uh, bring businesses in and you know get it thriving again. Um, but you know, yeah, to go back growing up, a hundred percent of my friends grew up in a single parent household. So we really didn't have that, you know, that male guidance because we all grew up with our mother. So the men in our life was like kind of in and out. So, you know, Pontiac was one of those tough cities to where the only way you can become a man was you had to be a great athlete or you had to be good at fighting <laughs> or you had to be like the pretty boy that got the girls or you made money in the streets. Those I, were I the had, only four ways you can become <laughs> a man or get respect. I would have had a lot of trouble in Pontiac because I don't yeah. got any of those. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it, it's uh, it's a different view um, for me of Pontiac. And, and like you said, growing up in that kind of environment, mm-hmm. if you're not the high school football standout, yep. you're not the dude all the girls are going after, mm-hmm. or you don't have something that sets you apart from the rest uh, then what happens? Then what happens? Then you really didn't get the respect, especially growing up as a young man. You didn't get the respect. You didn't get the attention. You wasn't um, accepted. You know, you you you, you was kind of at that time a nobody when it come to your peers. You know, you wasn't in the in crowd. And growing up, not having much, all you have is your name, your respect. So you know. Um, yeah, you know, so growing up, we misguided when it comes to finances, love, and a lot, a lot of other things. And I didn't recognize it or know until, you know, later on, you know, after high school, once I got in trouble with the law and things like that. Well, if that's all you know, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up in government housing as well. Yep. And uh, I didn't know it until I got older. Yeah, I didn't right, realize, exactly. like, I'm like, I live in the <laughs> coolest place on the planet. You know, we'd be out in the park playing football together uh-huh. or doing whatever. And it was a one mile circle around the outside. And we'd be having races around the miles so you could run quickest. We were doing fun things. I, I didn't know we were any different than anybody else on the planet because that's all I knew. Exactly. You know? Yep. And and so uh, let's talk about you know junior high, high school, your yep. first run in with the law. What happened there? 
Yeah, so um, again, you know, my morals and my standards, you know, I was trying to fit in. I wanted to be that guy. So um, going to school, you know, the only thing we had, you know, was a fashion statement. So it was like, hey, you know, if you have nice clothes, if you have nice shoes, then maybe you're not poor. You know, I respect you a little bit. We took pride in material things. So uh, I first started off going to the store stealing my clothes. You know, I was more worried about being talked about than going to jail because that's all we had. You know, we have to look nice. So um, didn't go to jail then. You know, I had a time to where the security guard chased us and we ran. But after that, I was like, oh, that was, you know, that was too close. So, you know, I don't want to steal. So after that, you know, playing football, Pontiac Northern, you know, we I hung with a group of guys. And back then it was about if you're 16, 17, 18, you have to tell us your story of why you're not a virgin. If, uh, you know, it's so, all something, some yep. kind of street cred, some kind you of, have to, you know, uh, rite of passage. You had to go through passage. those things yep. so, and, and uh, tell everybody about it. <laughs> exactly. So then in high school, you know, just wanting to have a name, you know, um, one time we hanging with uh, a couple of other football players and some guys and um, and we was interacting, you know, with the cheerleaders. You know, we all in high school. We didn't know. But. Um, one day I got a knock at the door, you know, from the um, from the police officer. It was like, hey, you need to come in. What's, I'm like, what's going on? Like, um, well, you know, you 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 were 17 years old. However, they you know they're freshmen, so you're you're legally a man. They're legally kids. You're going to jail. So we like, oh, what the? I didn't know what. Uh, uh, uh. So they made a big deal out of it. But thank God because never been arrested and we was young we didn't have to go through the you know what i'm saying just being branded for the rest of our lives right. but it was a time to where the seniors the juniors was they it was a big thing going on so they made examples out of us that's crazy because it goes on in every high school i mean i was a freshman it's different now i was a freshman yeah. and i was dating a junior girl you know i mean i it, it that's when you get in high school. It's like you're all the same. You don't think about that. Yeah, the but age. the law is the law. You know, at that time it was right. like if you're 17, you're a man. Right. You know, but you know, um, so that was another wake up call. You know, after that, so it was after I had a brush in with the law. So at first I was a you know a thief. I stole my clothes to look fresh, but once the security guard chased me, it was like, oh, I'm done with that. That incident, it was more like that made me want to date older women after that. It was like, oh, nope, I'm scared. After that, it was like, okay, I'll sell drugs. Mm -hmm. Now it's like it's time to be the drug dealer. I have to earn my respect somehow. Now, are you still in high school at this point? Well, after three years of going to summer school, year after year, barely making it, getting D's and E's and C's, I graduated high school. Awesome. Awesome. So I ended up I ended up graduating high school and I also ended up going to Baker's College, a small college for business. But however, um, it was boring. I wanted to be something greater than my environment. I decided to sell drugs. So I was actually selling drugs while I was in college, even in class. 
Wow. Yep. And, you know, I have to comment on, on the quote you just said, being greater than your environment. Because prior to the show, Jermaine and I was just, just shooting the breeze, and I brought up Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he says that a lot. Live greater than your environment. And, yep. uh, and that's something that really, when you sit down and think about it, your environment dictates a lot about it, where you're at in your life. And do. when you can live greater than your environment mm -hmm. and to make that kind of a decision mm -hmm. uh, along different lines. Like you said, I got chased, didn't want to do that anymore. You know, mm -hmm. the law showed up my door, didn't want to do that anymore. Yep. And and we're going to get to what happened with you and the drugs to make you not want to do that anymore. Well, um, so I started off just selling marijuana. You know, um, marijuana is one of those social, uh, social drugs to where, you know, um, Again, I was selling marijuana. Then I started um, selling, well, I started small, dimes, nickels. Then eventually I started selling pounds of marijuana. So going, crossing state, you know, lines, bringing it back to Pontiac and doing doing that. Then the trouble came when I switched and started selling cocaine. Mm. And, and with the crossing state lines, I, I've never personally sold drugs but i've watched a lot of documentaries that that ends up being a federal bit if you get caught if you crossing get caught. state lines yep and thank god i didn't i just saw it about yep. bonnie and clyde last night they stole a car went across state lines and then the federals got involved but it, that's yep that's a whole bigger another story but mm -hmm. um started selling cocaine at the time you know um making money fast i was young i you know Made a lot of money, but even then, I took care of a lot of people. But um, <clears throat> one day, um, an undercover or someone told on me, flipped on me, and bam, I got sent. I mean, well, ended up getting sentenced to seven years. Wow. Yep. And now we're people who know you during this time, were they mm -hmm. asking quite like people who weren't in the know of where the money was coming from? Mm -hmm. Were they asking questions? Mom going, where are you getting all this loot? Jermaine, well, what, what's going on here? Or are, are, are you taking care of everybody? And so they ain't asking any questions. They knew. Okay. They didn't accept it. Don't get me wrong. Um, my parents was in my life. Even my father, I had, you know, even though my father didn't live in a household, he provided as much as he can you know not mentally but it, you know he was there and my grandparents my grandparents what i call super christians i'm talking about straight by the book i never seen them break any type of law or sin in my life so they was bible thumpers so i had that around you know i went to church but however you know, um, especially living in a city like Pontiac, you know, even if your family don't accept it, when you can come and pay some bills and you can help take away a little stress, they don't really fuss. They just pray for you. Makes it a little easier to look the other way and just a hope little for bit. the best. Just a yeah. little bit. No one ever condoned it, but it was like, well, at least he's taking care of the bills. At least I don't have to worry about lights getting cut off because Max, Jermaine, he's he come home and... I was the bank in the family. No now, we're one... going to get to a, a yep. very important point as we move on. Now, during this time, were you concerned with your physical fitness? Because we're mm -hmm. going to get to how, how that moves mm -hmm. on. But were you like, were you a string bean? Were you were you built? Like, were I... you taking care of yourself? Were, yeah. you, were you doing drugs while you were selling them? Yeah. Um, well, the only drugs I really got into was uh, marijuana and alcohol. Never okay. got into hard drugs. I will say that. Um <clears throat> But I was what you call skinny fat. 
Is that you know, your, that sounds like somebody's hip hop. I was skinny that. fat, you know, so I was one of the. I was the guy who didn't work out naturally skinny, but because I was living that lifestyle to where I was able to go out to eat and had different girls and all of that, I had a stomach. Okay. So I was I was skinny fat. Never, you know, wasn't into fitness. Wasn't into working out. Ate horrible. Ate what they call soul food, potato chips, and again we grew deep up fried, deep fried, everything. This. <laughs> All of that. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just asked because we're going to get to the fitness part of yep. it. So I, I'm just trying to create a visual for for our viewers and for myself of where mm-hmm. you're at in your life. You mm-hmm. know, how, how, how this is going to escalate to the real crux of, of our interview here today on the drop in. Yes. So so you're selling Coke. And that that's, in my mind, that's like Al Capone. That's Scarface. I mean, Coke is is mm-hmm. is the big time. You know, selling weeds one thing. Coke mm-hmm. is is the big time. Yep. And uh, and so, what got you to stop selling Coke? I got caught. Yeah, how'd that happen? Um, again, it was a friend, um, a guy whom I trusted. You know, and uh, whom I trust, and he so happened he was fighting a case. I didn't know, and um. I had a large amount of cocaine on me, well, considered to some a large amount. It was like 250 grams of cocaine I had on me. And I went, I pulled up at a gas station. And when I pulled up at the gas station, it was like my sixth sense kicked in. I looked around, something didn't feel right. So I pulled out the gas station. They had a steam waiting for me to make a transaction. I never mm. made the transaction, I pulled off. But they pulled me over anyway. You know, it was like, hey, you know, then my whole life changed. After that, um, I didn't take a plea. I had a bench trial because I fought it. And I could have received 15 years for going to trial. But I think the judge knew that, you know, it was some legal issues, how they arrested me. They wasn't supposed to. So, you know, they gave me seven years, which wasn't a lot of time for the amount of cocaine that I got caught with. And going to trial, so you know. So where'd you end up at? What I, prison? I ended up in Jackson. In Jackson, did yep. you have to go to Ionia first? No, Jackson was the first place. Really? Because yep. uh, my cousin, I spent a lot of time with my cousin. He's been in and out of the joint, mm-hmm. and uh, he would tell me, "Well, you got to go to Ionia, which is Gladiator School, yep, yep. <laughs> before you go to Jackson." It used <laughs> and to be you, like that. Yeah, yep. and then you go to Jackson, and we'd always, I always make jokes about it with a gentleman that uh, is here at NRM. I'll be like, "Remember in '78 in the child line, you had your National <laughs> Geographic, so you didn't get shanked." Right. And um, I never been to prison, but I got some great stories. So yeah. Jackson is incredible. That's like, I mean, Alcatraz of the Midwest. Yeah, it's like a big bird cage. You'll look up, nothing but cages, five levels, and uh, rooms the size of a bathroom, hundreds of people. It's like a big bird cage. It's and, and depressing. What is your first thought walking through those doors? I can't imagine. I cannot even mm-hmm. begin to relate to what would be going through your mind walking into like a, a prison like yeah. Jackson. First, um, well, are you still walk, skinny walk, fat? Are you still skinny fat at this nah, time? Nah, no, not skinny fat. I actually, uh, you know, work out a little bit. Uh, physique plays a role in your st- <laughs> in your living standard in, yeah. in prison. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you're walking in the doors to this giant freaking birdcage, man. Like what the hell? How am I going to spend seven years in a place like this? I went from. 
power and the ability to make almost any choice that I want because I had money, you know, and and now I'm stripped, can't do anything, stuck in a cell, six by nine cell, still bed, no bed. Tell me when to wake up. Tell me when to go to sleep. And you want to work for 50 cents a day. I'm a legal slave. It's incredible, yep. man. It's incredible. You know, uh, uh, again, I, I watch a lot of TV, a lot of documentaries. I like mm -hmm. history. I like mm -hmm. real stuff. I don't watch a lot of fiction. And just some of the different things that I've either watched or read about mm -hmm. prison life is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, going in, was there, and I'll ask this, I'm sure the fans are probably thinking about this, was there any kind of gang affiliation? Like, how, how did you have to survive in the social status that is Jackson Prison? I mean, that's got to be a tough one. Yeah. Um, well, when it comes to gangs, most people that join gangs in prison, some were in a gang already, so they had, you know, they had no choice. You're, you know, you're down with us. You was down with us in the streets. And some, they join a gang because they're scared or they just want that brother that brotherhood. I didn't have that problem. I never joined a gang. I never joined anything, not, a, not even a religion or anything. It was more of I deal with the people that I like and that, that I'm attracted to. I always had that mentality. I'm not, I, I was never a follower. I'm not like going to follow you because, you, you know, you, you guys have the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, I deal with that guy, you know, so I always had that mentality to a certain degree to not, you know, when I was younger, I, you know, I wanted to fit in and everything. But as I matured and I was able to get things on my own, that, you know, I, I had some leadership in me. I've never been a big follower. Yeah. Now, there is some you went through quite a life transformation, which I think anybody would. Mm -hmm. You can uh, I mean, you can go into to that situation and it can make you a, a lesser of a person mm -hmm. or it can make you more of a person. Yep. And you chose the latter because you had quite a, a mental transformation. Your grandparents yep. played a huge role mm -hmm. in this part of it. Talk about that a little bit because you could have went either way at I, this point. I, well, I could have. And even after I received the seven years, I wasn't like, oh, man, I'm never going to sell drugs again because the life was so good. I was like, man, you know, I need to learn how not to get caught. Right. So, but what happened, I was still in Jackson. So, Jackson quarantine, you have to spend at least mm, three to four weeks before you can go to a regular prison cell. Um, I think I was two and a half weeks in. One of the correctional officers came to my, um, my cell and said, hey, you know, the warden want to speak with you. At this time, I didn't know. I said, well, maybe my lawyer pulled some strings. I'm about to get free, or what did I do? You know, my mind was racing. So they closed the door, and um, I spoke to a lady from Child Protective Services. And I received the call. They say, um, well, we just want to tell you that, you know, we had to take your son out the home. And I'm like, hmm, you know, what happened? They say, well, your son been tortured you know um, uh your mother your the, uh, the child's mother boyfriend took a lighter and uh burnt him tortured him covered his mouth up so he shouldn't couldn't scream and we had to take him out to home so you know at this time you know i just i went crazy in the room you know they had to restrain me and 
I have the it, visual of like the Incredible Hulk punching holes in brick walls. Oh yeah, it was. It, it was <laughs> like that's what I see in my head. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I, I I blanked out. And how old was your boy at this time? He was eleven months. Oh my word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're going ballistic, yeah. obviously. So yeah, but so <clears throat> at that moment. At first, you know, I'm like, why? Why would he do something like this? Because, in fact, it had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. You would think I'm in the streets, you know, selling drugs. Somebody wanted to get back from me doing somebody wrong, but I wasn't that type of guy. I never carried a gun, didn't have to, never was the type that wanted to shoot people. I was just a businessman. So I never really, you know, I never did anybody wrong except for I was the one who sold the drugs, you know, but. It had nothing to do with me. He was upset with her about something else and said, I'm going to take it out on your son. It just had to be, so happened to be my son. So, but that's when I realized that I had to surrender. You know, I went from, I had enough power to hurt, you know, get somebody hurt. I had enough power to do all these things. And now here I am inside a prison cell, hopeless. And helpless. Helpless. So that's when I remember, you know, my grandparents, you know, teaching me about God, you know, um, showing me and teaching me how to rely on a power higher than myself. You know, it's a very important thing, regardless if you call it God, Mary, Muhammad, Buddha, whatever you call it. It's it's all the same thing in my my opinion, my personal higher power. It's something bigger than yourself. Something bigger than myself. So. Once I, uh, you know, maybe after about a week, you know, um, my, you know, I was, you know, crying, depressed. And one day, I, you know, I had my head under the covers, you know, I'm, you know, I'm praying, I'm crying, I'm going through a million emotions. So a uh, big guy, six foot three, muscles everywhere, you know, he tapped on the bunk on, on, on my bed, like, get up, you know, like. Like, get up, man. You ain't supposed to be crying. You a god. I'm like, what the? You know, who is this guy? He just called me a god. Like, what is, what do you mean? He like, man, it get greater. You know, I don't know your story, but I see something in you. And he, you know, he building me up like a motivational speaker. And he said, you know, um, come outside. You know, uh, let's just walk. Let's just walk and talk. So, you know, he telling me about how great I am, history, and all, you know, he just building me up, you know, and um, he, he was trying to get me to work out, like, now come work out, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm not about to go work out, you know, I'm depressed, I don't want to work out. Anyways, the next day, I had the worst migraine in the history of the world, like, my head was just beating, 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 so I go and get it checked out, they're like, whoa, your, high pre- your blood pressure is super high, you need to either eat better or need to start working out or you're going to die. Here go this little small pill, drink some water, work out. So that's when I, his name, Henry X. I, saw, I said, Henry X, you know, let, I want to work out now. I want to get rid of this headache. Anything to get rid of this headache. He like, all right, come on, let's go work out. That's soul food catching up with you. <laughs> so, yep. So I only started working out because I wanted to get rid of the headache. Right, right. And, you know, um, so first workout, I threw up. But while I was working out, he building me up, teaching me about history, about post-slavery. Because, you know, growing up, the the greatest thing or the greatest person 
uh, that looked like me was an ex-slave. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, and that's when he taught me, like, how can you ever lift yourself up when you close your eyes and all you see, the strongest person you see was a slave? It's a great point. So he started teaching me about the Egyptian history and all these great guys and Hannibal and all this stuff that really like, oh, man, you know, I didn't know this this exist, uh, existed. So he was one of my first mentors in prison. He taught me a lot about history and, and exercise and nutrition a little bit. You know, so that's where I got my taste of fitness. Then uh, after that, my second mentor was a guy named Steve. Now, if I showed you a picture of Steve, he looked like the picture of Jesus. White guy, long beard. He was uh, actually incarcerated um, for like embezzlement, stocks, and doing you know sketchy stuff. And he was in Jackson. Yeah, he was in Jackson. Wow. He was in Jackson, wow. and um, and he was you know a wealthy guy, you know. And I didn't know. I introduced myself to him because somebody told me one of the correctional officers said, "Oh, that guy, he's a millionaire." And me won't, you know, want to learn how to make money. I introduced myself, and I said, "Man, you know, uh, what do you do?" He said, "You know, I'm, I'm in the stocks. I'm in this." I said, "Can you teach me everything about stocks so I can make money?" He said, "Sure." The first book he gave me had nothing to do with stocks. It was uh, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. One of my favorites. One of my favorites, I'll tell you. And and for the viewers, Think and Grow Rich has nothing to do with getting rich. Has absolutely nope. nothing to do with getting rich. It is really, it is a personal, uh, transformational mm-hmm. book. A gentleman named Napoleon Hill was hired by uh, Mr. Carnegie, mm-hmm. the uh, railroad magnate. And he said, I want you to interview the most successful people of this era. And what makes them different? We're talking Henry Ford, Edison, everybody that's successful in the 20s and 30s. Why are they different? And he tried to put that into one book. If you buy it today, it's updated with Steve Jobs mm-hmm. and other people mm-hmm. of, of the current generation. But the book is incredible. Yeah. My favorite story is the gentleman who was installing the stuff for Edison, Mr. Barnes. And he got on, he got on a train out of Chicago, and he knew nothing. He jumped a train took it to New Jersey, showed up, said, I'm not going to work for you. I'm going to work with you. And he worked in the, the, the gnarliest labor for like a year. And, and, and Edison said, I need somebody to install this machine. And Barnes said, I'll do it. And so across the country, it was, and I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the machine, but it was this machine by Edison installed by Barnes. Dude was a millionaire in like three years for doing that. Mm-hmm. My favorite story yep. in the whole book. But that is a great place to start, man, yep. that book. So he gave me a book. He actually, it was a book inside of a book. It was a book called The Prosperity Bible. Oh, cool. The Greatest Teachings of All Times. That's very cool. So, I, don't, I don't know that one. Yep, it's called mm-hmm. The Prosperity Bible. And he said, I want you to start here. So I'm thinking that I'm about to learn something about stocks. So after thinking Grow Rich, which I actually enjoyed the book, the stories, and it, you know, it was motivational. I'm like, all right, I'm done with thinking Grow Rich. What's the next book? He said, okay, uh, I'm going to read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm about to learn about some stocks. I'm about to learn how to make the big bucks. <laughs> so I read the book, and I'm like, oh, that was a nice book. I'm like, what's the next book? So he giving me all of these self-help books. And this went on for maybe about eight months of books at the books. And then I finally got 
time because we rarely saw each other, but when we did, it was real fruitful. Like, I don't have a lot of time. I, I have to teach because he actually taught the finance class in prison. Oh, cool. So he said, like, just keep reading it. Trust me. You go, you go be, you're going to be rich. You're going to trust me. You need it. And I finally said, why are you giving me these help-help books? I want to learn about stocks. He said, Max, um, I have, you have to change your mindset. Yep. That's the whole thing. He's That's like, the whole thing. Yeah. You ever see The Karate Kid? Yep. You ever see that movie? Those that guy's like your Mr. Miyagi, remember? Like Santa, Santa fans, you know, paint a floor or whatever. Exactly. And then all of a sudden he's like, "Why are you having me do all these things?" And he throws a few punches and he's like, "Show me, you know, sand a fence." And he's, you know, that's what he was learning yep. by sanding the fence. Same kind of thing. Shifting your mindset, maybe not learning the numbers of the stock market, mm-hmm. but learning how to uh, shift your mind so you can be successful at anything you do in your life. And 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 he did that. So after about eight months, I didn't want to learn about stocks anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. So while I was reading these books and working out. I got really good at it. So when guys was getting locked up, when they wanted to work out, I was like the go-to guy because people knew I was working out every day. I was the first one in the weight room, last one to leave because it helped me with my uh, depression. It made me feel better. So I'm helping people lose weight. People who's going home before me, they like, man, you know, I was working out with Max. Look at me. I helped them build their self-image. It was people that was in prison that was going through a depression, that was losing their marriage. But because they started working out and they developed their self-confidence to save their marriage. So I felt good. I said, you know what? This is exactly what I want to do when I get home. This is what I was born to do, you know, to help myself and help others through fitness and um, nutrition. Right on, yeah. right on. So you get out, you yeah. you get out of prison, and and you immediately are multi gazillionaire taking over the world. Absolutely right? not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, of course, I'm on parole. I had a 450 credit score, no money in the bank, um, no rich parents, none of that. Well, and, and I have to say, uh, it's very easy at that point. Mm-hmm. To go back to what you were doing because Absolutely. that you know about it now you're a smarter person mm-hmm. and it would it would have been very easy for you to call up some of your own connections yep. and say you know what I can even make us bigger now because I'm smarter now yep. why did you not go back to the drug world well my first day home one of the old guys that I uh, ran with he didn't welcome me home with a uh, you know uh, money or a job. He actually had about a hundred grams of um, 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 cocaine, and he like, well, you know, in the streets we've been waiting on you. It's about to go down. Yeah, welcome home. We about to be rich. We got a a, a, a true soldier that came home. Everybody else out here snitching. Yeah, they was excited. I said, oh, I said, nah, I can't, I can't take that. You know, and. That was the last day that I um, not really spoke with him. But that was the last day. That's when our bond, you know, was broken. And uh, and again, I started with nothing. So my my plan in prison was to be a gym owner. I never wanted to come up and just be a trainer. At this time, I you know I think big now. So I get home and I'm telling my parents, I'm telling everybody and say, hey, you know, I'm going to own a gym. I'm going to start my own business. They looking like, oh, 
they look like, oh, man, he about to start selling drugs. How, how in the hell, excuse me, how are you going to start a gym? No credit score, no money, no nothing. I said, I'm going to start a gym. I started with a $5 yoga mat outside at an outdoor track. The first lady, I saw her just walking. I asked her, hey, what are your goals? What did you do? You know, where are you at in your progress? You know, uh, it's not really, you know, going fast. Come over here. I'm going to train you for free. Now, you're in Pontiac. I'm in Pontiac. You're in Pontiac. I'm in Pontiac. And, uh, and, and not the most up-and-coming city. Mm-mm. Not Still not coming back. I had a, a gentleman on a few uh, episodes ago, and he's a real estate guy, really mm-hmm. trying to help the city of Pontiac. But at this time, you know, Pontiac's still a rough neighborhood. You're out, and you're mm-hmm. going to train somebody with a $5 yoga mat. Yes. How 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 was that first client? You know this this young lady. You know was she like yeah here's my five bucks. Was how did that go? Well, um, again I started training her for free. Okay. Because, and again you know uh, I taught myself a little bit about sales and, and and things like that. So um, I said you know what I just want to train you for free because I knew that if I train her for free, everyone else walking around may approach me and say, hey, are you a trainer? And that's what happened. You know, I started training her for free. So at this time, I knew nothing about social media or Facebook. 40 days later, she made a before and after picture of where she was at. And on her before and after picture, it said, I lost 40 pounds in 40 days. So she had a following. So people are like, what, how, when, who, who is your trainer? Who is this? So she like, you need to get a Facebook page. People are asking about you. How much do you charge? I didn't know. I said, just tell them to bring $5. So the next day I was training two people. One person paying me $5. 30 days later, I'm, per- I'm training 30 people. They all give me $5. Six months later, I opened up, up I opened up a gym called Max Out Fitness. And I still didn't have a good credit score. Still couldn't get a loan. It was through just cold calling. I wanted to see how much money would it cost for me to get my own facility. After calling maybe about 12 people, uh, 12 business owners downtown, uh, a guy named Jim, uh, Jim Cunningham, he answered the phone. He said, hey, look, I got somebody that's moving out tomorrow. If you're serious about renting this place out, I'll give you the first three months free. That's how it happened. Right and there. so how uh, um, were you just you had an indoor facility that you could train people mm-hmm. with very minimal equipment? How did you how did you outfit the gym? Yep. So I started. So I had my yoga mats and I had some dumbbells, some uh, you heard of a store called Five and Below yeah. where everything is. So I had dumbbells from Five and Below. I took my mats and I had hand-me-down equipment that people had in their basement. Like, here go some dumbbells. Here go a mat. Here go a battle rope. So I t- everything was used. So I took that same clientele that I had outside. I brought them in a the building. Like, hey, we got a roof over our head. I don't have to cancel because it's raining now. So it wasn't in the best of shape, but they were able, they, you know, they believed in me. They said, man, he took us here. And, you know, yeah, need some paint, you know, and we don't have anything. But um, I made sure that my personality, good music, and they felt good. And the only thing I really asked, you can still pay me $5. All I asked you to do was just, you know, take a picture and, you know, share your results with the world. 
That is such an awesome so, story. Cool. We're sitting here in the NRM studios with Jermaine Branner, and I am like, I, like it's like watching a movie. Like, I, I'm totally, <laughs> thank you so much for, for coming to the show today and, yep. and sharing your story with the world because people need to hear this. Mm-hmm. There is always hope, and if you live passionately, there is always a way to make it happen. And Jermaine is talking exactly about that. Who would have ever thunk, you know, I'm training people for five bucks, and I'm going to have a gym, and you have it. You have a location where people mm-hmm. can meet, where people with a common consciousness can collect and all have a similar goal to be healthier, and you are giving them that instruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think your story alone it would, would make people want to follow your path. Um, so you get these people coming mm-hmm. in, and how many years ago is this, when you first opened the doors to Max Out Fitness? Oh, this was six months after I was released from prison. Really? Yep, six months. Really? I was still on parole. Still, was six months. From the time that I got out, six months later, I, um, I started Max Out Fitness. Um, maybe about two years later, I opened... Pontiac first juice bar inside of uh, Max Out Fitness. Opened up a juice bar for the um, for myself and for the community. Um, and after that, you know, we started a mentoring program. We started giving back to the youth. You know, so all the 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 young man who I knew was just like me. Um, we started this big program and we started giving back. Um, exercise, fitness, food. Talk about the bikes. The bikes. The bikes. We, we got a great picture. The, yep. the bikes, like uh, 400 mm-hmm. bikes. So, yep. So, my thing now is, though, so when I first came home, I noticed that it wasn't a lot of activity like it was when I was younger. People is playing the games. Kids is obese. Hundreds of parents is coming in and say, hey, you know, my child is pre-diabetic at the age of 10, 11. I'm like, well, how did that? So, I said, you know what? I'm not going to give away no food, no turkey. I'll give, you know, I'm going to give away a few bikes. So the first year, um, I ended up collecting 100 bikes. Um, most of it was just out of pocket. You know, I didn't have, still didn't have much, but I received some donation, pulled money out my pocket, and we gave away 100 bikes. The next year, we ended up donating maybe 150 bikes. Now it's, it's a collaboration with me and the mayor of Pontiac. You know, she, they, she took notice and said, hey, I like this. I want to, you know, join with you. Um, third year, um, I ended up merging with Anytime Fitness in Pontiac. They saw the growth. They saw how I was a small business, but yet I had so many people coming there. And uh, me and the owner, we sat down at the table and said, hey, let's, let's work together. Let's work together on, you know, making this city healthier. You know, um, I'm not from here, but I have a passion for the city. And everyone is saying I should do business with you. So we collab- we collaborated, and then last year we gave away uh, almost 300 bikes, I'll, I'll say, close. A little bit, little bit over 200 bikes to the community, and um, next year we plan on giving away more. And that's our way of saying, hey, ride this bike, and this is our way of helping you um, decrease the obesity rate. Get on a bike and ride around, burn some calories, and this is our way of you know helping fight the big fight. And not to mention, get wherever you want to go. It doesn't matter. You yep. know, it doesn't yep. matter. I love riding my bike. I, I 
purchased a bike again about 10 years ago, and I hadn't ridden a bike in a while. And it was like being a little kid again. I'm like, <laughs> I, can go, I, I, I can go down alleys. I can go where cars can't go. This is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I ride usually 15, 20 miles every day when yeah. it's warm out. And now it's cold, so I got the gym membership back in, and I got to pedal inside. But uh, bikes yeah. are so much fun and, and uh, for any age. Any age from the fitness part to the traveling part, I love my bicycle. Um, you know, touching lives like that is mm-hmm. awesome. When did you decide uh, that sharing your story with people, uh, when did you feel comfortable doing that? Because for me, uh, I've been sober almost three years now. Mm-hmm. And, and it took me, after two years of being sober, then I was like, okay, I'm, I've been sober two years now. I can talk to people about it. Yep. And I, I help people. It's not my platform, but when I feel like I can help somebody with my mm-hmm. story, I'll sit down and talk to him about it. When did you decide, you know, uh, that sharing your story on a national level? Because that's really what we're doing here is sharing it on a national yep. level. And your story is incredible, man. Well, you and thank you. Um, I never really wanted to be like the motivational speaker or I want to tell everybody my story. It was forced on me. Mm. So once people that I grew up with that knew how I was, once they saw my... Uh, the success that I was um, making, I was getting calls like, look, my son, he's 13 years old. Can you talk to him? You you can understand. The teachers, the, the these other people don't know how he feel. You know. You was the kid that did this. You was the kid who they said had ADHD. You, was, you understand a little bit better. Can you talk to him? Okay. Let me tell you. So the difference with me and other people in the school was I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand how you feel. I understand you wishing, you know, that y- your mother and daddy was here and you had all these. I understand. But however, let me tell you how to get out of it. So it started with just one kid. The next thing you know, was just parent at the parent at the parent at the parent. And then now um I'm being known on a state level. I'm getting proclamations from the, you know, state representatives, the mayor, the governor, and and, and I'm on Fox Two News, you know, sharing my story, and and now people is like, hey, you went to prison. That thing that that happened to you in high school, how did you come out of that? And it was just like, well, why? The story I'm I'm telling now, you know, was like I did, you know, something happened to me, something traumatic, but I was able to develop a willpower, and I picked up one habit, one great habit. I started reading. Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. Yep. I for 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 my money so far, I think I am blown away that when you came out of Jackson, it would have been so easy mm-hmm. to go back to where you were. Yeah. I, I've watched documentaries about the Bloods and the Crips mm-hmm. and about how it's very difficult to get out of that cycle. When you get out, when they get out of prison, uh, some great, great people, great, great minds, they're, they're talking very, but he said it's impossible. Like, I, I get out and I can't get a job. It's not impossible because you just told an amazing Mm-mm. story that, that I believe is available to everybody. Yeah. 
yeah. is definitely av- available to everybody. That's uh, I'm, I'm so stoked, so stoked you made that decision because now you get to sit here and tell the world that there is there's always hope, regardless of where you're at in your life. Mm-hmm. There's always hope and there's always opportunity for change. You can shift your mindset if it's books, if it's a mentor, if it's listening to this show. You can shift your mindset and make a better world for you and everybody around you. And that's what my man Jermaine is doing, dude. Four hundred bikes. You're speaking around the country. What the freak? What is next? What is next? Do you have any th- any plans for next six months, year, two years? Well, um, I do. Um, Want to concentrate more. I love giving back, you know. So I'm putting a lot of energy next year into uh, a nonprofit that I plan on starting up because. I'm starting to recognize a lot of things that's going wrong in all urban communities. Um, most urban communities, you know, they're in a food desert. They go grocery shopping, but they don't know how to read labels. So I, I, I want to educate people that may not, that can't really communicate or understand what their doctor is really saying. I have people in my family that do not even know how to take their medication. You know, they don't even know how to properly take their medication. They don't even know how to properly take care of themselves, even though they was diagnosed with diabetes, diagnosed with cancer. They don't know how to communicate with the doctor. The doctor, you know, maybe this person may only have an eighth grade education, and this person is talking from a level, so they just, be, they don't want to seem dumb, so they don't ask questions. But I feel like I know how to relate. I know how to say, hey, you know, here's, you know, here, here are the resources. This is what he was saying. We're going to hold a workshop or a seminar to show you how to control this a little better. This is what you do. Need more education, need more guidance, need more workshops, need more people that can communicate better. It's not so much about we got the money from the government and we're going to do this. You need the right people that can communicate with certain people so they can be able to, you know, to take care of themselves. Don't need a handout. We don't need don't need money. Don't need a turkey. Don't need these things. You know, you need to teach me how to fish. Teach me how to take care of myself. And that's what I want to do. I want to help people so they can help themselves. Well, and you're relatable. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I've been speaking to middle schools since about 2007, and I walk in like this, usually with a short sleeve shirt, and this yeah. whole arm sleeved with tattoos, and I have my dickies on, baseball hat, and the teachers would say, this is the guy speaking to our kids? <laughs> and by the time I'm done, they're saying, hey, would you like to come, come over for back. dinner and yep. talk a little more about it? Because kids, uh, people, when you're real... When, they, when you've been through it and they can relate to you, they listen. You're not somebody up on stage in a suit that read a book that can tell you all the statistics. No, I lived it, man. I lived mm-hmm. it. And they listen. They're more apt to listen. Yes. And on, uh, on the subject of what you were talking about, my grandma's very influential in my life. And she used to say, uh, G, and my grandma did call me G, and she said, uh, spend more at the grocery store, less at the doctor. And she taught me how to eat, <laughs> eat, eat better. <laughs> I never forget that quote. More at the grocery Jewels. store less at the doctor yeah. you know and she grew up in North Carolina and I got some southern cooking but you know uh, it, the 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 wisdom that comes out of uh, especially our elders I think I, mm-hmm. I've learned so much from my grandma and grandpa as you have learned from your grandma and grandpa uh, and got directed in the direction and being of service to others mm-hmm. there is no better 
feeling. It's the best. Yeah, there is no it's better feeling. So what do you got? Like people, if they want to contact you, the gym, what's the best way? Because you got to be on social media now. Yeah, I'm on social media. So I'm Mr. Keep Going 2020 on Instagram. You can find me on uh, Facebook, uh, Max Main. You can find me uh, Max Out on Facebook as well. My email address is maxoutfitness123 at gmail.com. Um, so th- those are some of the ways on how you can find me. And where's your gym located? My gym is located in Pontiac, Michigan, 149 North Perry Street, Anytime Fitness. There's a gentleman named Bob Wan, and he was on this show. And he has a, a couple different places down in Pontiac. He's been trying to get me down there to come and get a tour of Pontiac. And I'm supposed to hook him up with some artist friends to do some mm-hmm. murals and different things. And I'm going to uh, do my best to connect you guys. Because if you don't know him, um, I think you should. And cool people need to know cool people. What's his name? Bob Wan. And just a rad dude. Rad. Just he, he, yeah. He's just this laid back, super cool dude. He has a cool demeanor. And you would never know, never know that he is who he is. You know, when we were walking out and we were looking at his car and I'm thinking, you know, this guy's pretty cool. He opens up the back of his car and there's paint cans and things. This guy, he's like a real estate developer, but his back of his truck was paint cans and sticks. I'm like, all right, we're even cooler friends now because you're actually in the mix. You yeah, know? It's, it's a lot of cool people. Uh, Pontiac is actually on his way up in a different way. It's a lot of people with talent that's coming to Pontiac and we're, we're all forming groups and we're all working on... Um, ways on how to use our talent, you know, to just create things for the youth. So Pontiac is, you know, is coming back. Um, and, I, you know, I just wanted to let people know, you know, it's a lot of cool things that's, um, that's transpiring uh, in Pontiac as we speak. Well, the Phoenix Center, you know, it's such a unique venue. Something mm-hmm. has to happen there. The Phoenix Center is a parking structure with a uh, entertainment venue on the top of it. I pulled in there a couple times late for concerts, and you could just hear the voice over the whole city. And I'd have my sunroof open. I'm like, that's so cool. I'd just sit out in the parking lot and listen. (laughs) But uh, it's such a unique venue. And the church is there. I mean, Mm -hmm. the architecture. It is a great, great city that, to bring it back, I don't think would take a ton of effort. I mean, the infrastructure is there. Yeah, we just got to bring some loot back and, and, and uh, some people who, who can see the vision like you have. Well, now you have all the dispensaries that's coming in Pontiac now. See, so, down where I live, all the cities said we don't want them. Yep, yeah, but Pontiac, there's a lot of dispensaries coming in Pontiac and it's going to bring traffic, you know. So mm-hmm. me, you know, of course I look at it and say, oh, wow, now it's legal, huh? You know, right. but, um, but it's some cool things. I think right now it's going to bring in some money, bring in some traffic, and um, I look forward to seeing Pontiac grow. Yeah, it's going to be great again. It, I have a great vision of Pontiac from my life, and I, I, I know it's going to get back there. As far as Max Out Fitness, yep. do you have any plans to open other locations? Is your focus solely going to be on education and just helping the world? Uh, the gym, are you going to uh, have it open up anymore? You got chain things in in mind or anything like that? Well, right now that's um, in discussion, okay. you know, on um, as far as the you know the gym. Um, so right now, I'm, uh, I created a program called the Max Effect program, and this is a program that I want in all gyms, not just Max Effect, not just you know in every gym. 
it's just a style of training. So it's a program to where I track nutrition, lifestyle, and training. And it's, if you follow this with, because I have experience in personal training, if you follow this with your client, it will be easy to track their nutrition, their lifestyle, and their, and their training. It's going to hold them accountable, and it's going to keep the retention with that client. So, you know, maybe I'll open up another gym, but I just believe this program I will be able to share all across the world. I like it. I like it a lot. And if you're not measuring, if you're not monitoring every facet of your life, it doesn't matter if it's business, if it's health, if it's whatever, you have to monitor what you're doing and and measure and see results or see what's working, what's not working. Doesn't matter if it's marketing, building a Mm -hmm. business or building the perfect body. You have to measure and make adjustments to what works for you. Yeah. And and especially because personal training is uh, expensive. So in Pontiac, I had to be very creative and convincing to let people know it's okay to spend more money than you make an hour at your job on personal training because this, you're the best investment in the world. Mm-hmm. So I had to create a system with a, people with a certain mindset that would keep them longer. I had to be very creative. And, you know, I'm very uh, happy to say that so far, you know, this has been the best program that I created. I have found yep. when you quantify it for people, you know, when you say, you know, you just paid 700 bucks for your TV, right? Mm-hmm. You paid 700 bucks for this giant flat screen TV. Mm-hmm. And, and how long is that going to last you? You know, a couple years. And you're going to argue with me about paying 50 bucks for a gym membership or 100 bucks for a gym membership <laughs> when you're investing in yourself to make you a better person. But you don't have a problem dropping all this money for these things that don't even matter, that are going to be gone. Yeah. You know, well, when you can sort of uh, make it relatable relational form, related mm-hmm. to other things. That that helped me uh, yep. make it real for certain people. Yeah, and I like to use a car. Mm-hmm. You know, don't treat your car better than you treat your body. Right. When you pull up in a nice car, you make sure that you use 89, 91, the right fluids. Yeah. Do the same thing for your yeah. body. Well, Jermaine, I want to thank you so much thank for coming to the show today. Uh, we're going to do an, uh, many more shows because I, I uh, want to do a fitness show. I want to do some different things. So uh, I'm going to invite you back. I'll be happy to come back. And thanks for having me. All right. Anytime, man. And thank you, guys. You know, you can only get stories like this on the drop-in. Nowhere else on the planet. And the whole goal is to inspire you to get off your damn couch and make life happen. Not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot, make the most of it. My name is Gerald Valley. That's Jermaine Branner. And this has been The Drop-In.